0: Welcome, everybody, to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome. I'm here with Mally J, hashtag J. Don't forget to <laughs> hashtag that on your, I don't know, when you're on... Your different social media prep <laughs> platforms. We're trying to raise the awareness of Mally J. So, uh, yeah. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, this week's edition to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast, we're going to be talking about something that's very dear to my heart, mm. in some ways, uh, we're talking about termites. Ooh. Creepy crawlies. Creepy crawlies. My name is Parker Bennett, and I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make, their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. And I think the reason I wanted to talk about termites is because I've recently uh, been noticing there's a little bit of video narrative out there on YouTube uh, getting put out from some local people, um, and I I don't feel the narrative that they're using for termites that are specific to our region is accurate. Mm-hmm. And so, even though I think it was episode forty something, forty-three, I think of forty-three, the Camloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Yeah, we did a podcast already on uh, termites, and you can refer back to that. But I thought we would just. Uh, Update the folks mm-hmm. who uh, live in the area of Kamloops, where we do have some termites cruising around our hood, and we'll just kind of a quick, nasty, deep dive into the <laughs> breakdown of where they are, what we can do about them, how do we, how, how do we identify a problem. Yeah,
1: what do, we, what do you do when you find a problem? Yeah. Okay. Just some of the real grit. Yeah, let's uh, let's present this information. Let's dive deep. Ooh, like the termites. Like the termites. <laughs>
0: be the termite you want to be in the see in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's an interesting fact, and I think there's probably a little bit more to it if you Wikipedia this. But <laughs> by biomass, termites outweigh humanity. Oh my god. So there is a fair number of these guys cruising around the earth yep. below our feet. Oh, they live here. They live in <laughs> they're, this... They're on this planet. I would even consider them loopsters. They're pretty into loops. <laughs> so hashtag loopsters for yeah. those guys and gals. But um,
1: how into loops are they? That's what we're going to find out.
0: That's what we're going to find out. Let's dive in. Uh, let's start by just... I'm just going to illustrate a little narrative of what they are... Um, how they may differ from some of the other critters that you're going to see online if you just looked up termites in okay. general. The termites that we have here in Kamloops are subterranean termites. Um, there's lots of species of subterranean termites. I do not know all of them, but I I am very familiar with the critters that we have below our feet here in, in this part of the province. Um, the subterranean, subterranean termites that we have are not going to ever come out of the ground to be visibly seen by daylight. Ah. So you're not going to run into them very often cleaning up around the house. Okay. Um, and that's something we'll get into later when we talk about maybe some of the misconceptions with termites. But the these bugs are living below grade level. And they're not natural to Kamloops because they need to be in more... Warmer, humid climates. Oh, However, um, they have started to poke up in and around the Calypso area. And they typically need to live somewhere where it's very warm. Okay. So we're in a pretty arid place here in British Columbia. Um, But it's still, if you checked a thermometer today, (laughs) she's a bit nippy out. Yeah. It was minus 17. Termites are not going to be able to survive minus 17. No. That's why they live underneath people's houses. Okay, where it's toasty. Where it's it's warmer. They have that thermal break. There's no frost in the ground below your house. Mm-hmm. If you were to slice open a hill somewhere that's south-facing uh, in Kamloops, you may find areas where termites were. But in the winter months, these guys are going to be living beneath your home where, oh. where there's better climate for them, Okay, more tolerable climate for them.
1: Fascinating already. Yeah. <laughs> so I, before we get dive in, I just want to point out like you've had a lot of experience with termites, face facing them, looking at them, looking for them in your former career as a home inspector yeah. and now as a realtor. So uh, you also mentioned that you did some a course in termite. Yeah, there,
0: <laughs> in other parts of the world, you can't call yourself a termite guy, a termite. Ex- terminator uh without having some sort of credentials
1: mm-hmm.
0: um it's just like having a real estate license if you're in california you know you'd have to be certified termite savvy I don't, you know i don't know the particulars about it but you know it, you'd have to have continuing education credits would be ongoing training in british columbia we just don't have as many termites so to have a business card and a flashlight you can call yourself a termite um Exterminator, exterminator. There's no credentials, right? Um, this disturbed me when I was an inspector because I wanted very deeply not only to know what I was talking about, but I wanted to be able to identify. Hey, you have a termite problem here, and I, the, you know the the association, the industry that we came from had limitations on what you could and couldn't say, so. You weren't supposed to be an expert in that field. You weren't required to be an expert in that field. And basically, they just wanted you to not be liable by saying anything. So <laughs> I took a pest program that identified termites as an objective uh, out of the University of Washington. Nice. Um, it is a, a credential course that if you lived in Washington, this was the program that you needed to call yourself a termite exterminator.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I took the program. It was very interesting. Learned a lot about the creepy crawlies that um, <laughs> identify as termites. Cool. And um, there's a lot of misconceptions about what I what I see. The narrative that I see on YouTube and stuff in our area, and I just wanted to some of that stuff is not not true.
1: Let's address those misconceptions.
0: Okay. Misconception um, misconception number one. Okay. I would say is that although these critters are coming in from the outside. They're not crawling in the front door. Okay. How do they get into the house? They're coming in from underneath the slab. So there are remedial methods out there that are practiced in Kamloops where they would treat the exterior of your home Mm kind of like a way that you would prevent ants and spiders and other little pesky critters from coming into your home because they're coming crawling you on know, the surface. On the surface of the land and, you know, coming up into a crack in the foundation or whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: Termites are not operatable that way. They, they come in from deep below the surface slab mm-hmm. in areas where there may be cracks or penetrations. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't have cracks, if you can mentally picture how a foundation is structured in your home, there's a perimeter box. That's the foundation. That's mm-hmm. the footing. And then there's a slab where you stand on in the basement. The box is made of wood. Concrete. And, oh, concrete. Okay. It's all concrete. Okay, thank you. But there's a transition of concrete around the perimeter, and that's going to be in a a spot where they can get in. There's no foundation that's going to be built that's going to be perfectly going to be able to, you know. Like totally sealed d- up. a deterrent for them, yeah. Always going to be a little crack.
1: Okay, that's interesting. They're not walking in through the front door or like climbing up the outside of the house. It's from
0: below. It's from below. Yeah, mm. and you're you, there's. We're going to identify areas that you're going to be able to um, be able to target and see if you have termite issues in your home. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to be you're not going to be vacuuming and see a little critter run underneath the sink and and going to go hey we have termites I just saw one like that's not realistic okay because the pigmentation of their skin is completely 100 percent intolerable to UV okay the and these are the termites here in Camloops that these we're talking these are the guys that we're dealing with. Okay. Um, there's also a moisture level that their skin needs to maintain in order for their skin not to break down, mm-hmm.
1: or their exoskeleton, or what have you.
0: Yep. <laughs> so they, so they actually need to con to completely live inside a little building envelope that they've create that keeps the moisture level, the UV out, and the humidity at a perfect temperature.
1: And as a result of that um, intolerance to UV, they're actually like a, a
0: white color, right? They're bare naked white, <laughs> bleached white. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And, and, and like if you were to pick one of these guys up and bring it into daylight, that termite is going to die within an hour. Like it very quickly is going to die. Okay. It might still squirm around, but that UV has already
1: killed him. He just right. doesn't know it yet. Subterranean termites, they really need that subterranean element.
0: Yeah. Protection. 100%. 100%. Okay. Now I'm going to contradict that. Okay. Because there is a life cycle in the termite where they will, I don't know how it's internally selected amongst the colony, but some of them grow a darker pigmentation and they can come out of the colony's chamber. Yeah. And they breed. Ah. And they breed and they... As soon as they breed, the female goes back down into the colony. The males typically die. They all lose their wings. Mm-hmm. They, they grow wings for a short period, and that's a, an actual to spread. They're trying to spread their colony. Yeah, so they're trying to get as far away from the point that they came out to sort of improve their colony and, and get a larger biomass in that that area. And this is where. This is where you'll see termites come out of the uh, ground, and you'll be able to identify them. Right,
1: and they'll look a bit darker, and they'll have wings.
0: Yeah, now they they look very similar to flying ants mm. that are doing the exact same. You know, they're they're going through their mature sexual process, and they're mm-hmm. they're actually very similar in size, shape, and appearance. If you were to get really close, you would see that their body shape has one missing. You know, an ant has those three distinct segments. A segments. Uh, termite only has two. Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. So, But it's going to be very difficult for a layperson to just come out of their front door, see a bunch of dead things or walking black things and <laughs> think that those are termites, but they could very well be. Okay. This is the time where they can endure some UV.
1: Okay, so we do have termites in Kamloops, Yes, yes. Oh. yes. That's a fact. That's a fact. What are the likely areas or conditions or hotspots in our city that might be likely to have termite activity?
0: So termites are sensitive to elevation. So when you get to areas like Juniper Heights, Sun Peaks, higher levels of Barnhartville, Aberdeen, upper levels of Aberdeen, Pine, Pine View, there's not going to be any termites at that elevation. Mm-hmm. I'm told uh, from somebody that I do trust, who is a, 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 a termite terminator in, in Kamloops, who also is very clever with the issue, that this elevation is decreasing. So it's their their area of livelihood is growing uh, as they become more tolerant to higher elevations. Interesting. So a slow, slowly becoming able to live in in higher, elevations. higher oh. elevations. So there's that. They're more likely to be found on somewhere with a south-facing slope. Okay. And I'll paint you the perfect picture. If you were driving down West Side Road, mm-hmm. every time you turn left, all those streets, Dever, uh, Pualo, um, Bebic, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Bebic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyways, all those little roads that veer off to the left, to they the all hillside. seem to end mm-hmm. in like the hillside. hmm so if your house was built, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but these are spicy conditions for them. Yeah. If you were to be built into the hill, on the hill is facing southeastern, so it's getting a lot of that early morning sunshine, a lot of the all-day sun throughout the afternoon, mm-hmm. that's going to be a hot spot for them. Interesting. It's warmer climate. It's mm-hmm. just better conditions for them.
1: Okay. So there's probably, like, not just Westside, but multiple places in Camloops where that those conditions could line up. Yes. Okay. So nowhere's really out of the woods, but
0: <laughs> there's right, a more right now I feel very safe about, you know, the higher elevations. Right now I just feel like we haven't identified them there yet. Got it. So better
1: So, so how do you tell if you have termites in your home? That's a big question, you know, like how yeah. How does one go about determining
0: this? There's there's it's not impossible to find out if you have them even though you're not going to physically see them. The life cycle of the termite breeds once to twice a year. Spring and fall is a very typical um, mating season for them. Mm -hmm. So they'll come out twice a year and the little wings that they grow when they come out of the colony and surface themselves, they fall off immediately Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you will see these patches of wings in areas They can be like on the screens of your windows. Okay. They can be, a lot of times they'll be around your furnace or hot water tank in the basement because the two fires that are burning in hot water tanks and and furnaces create a better environment. There's higher humidity there. Mm -hmm. So they tend, and you know, there's cracks in the foundation. The foundation is usually pretty bare right there. So those are hot spots that you'll typically see these wings. You won't just see one wing. You'll probably see like, you'll just go downstairs one day and they'll be like, a hundred wings sitting in a small pile. Okay. So would be a great indicator of a potential issue. You should get someone to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they have these mud tubes and I've recently seen this where a mud tube went right up the wall of a garage. Oh, so very, very easy to identify. Cause you can see it. Yeah. You, it looks like someone just picked up a shovel full of liquid mud, threw it at the drywall and it's sticking on the drywall. Okay. And that's a, that's a tube that they've created to access more areas of your of your home to gobble up cellulose
1: because mm. that's what they're, they're that's what they're eating the they're, cellulose
0: they're eating cellulose Man, fascinating and the the primary food source for them the easy food is the backing of drywall it's the paper on the back of drywall
1: that's wild not that's, necessarily the wood framing it's the drywall I mean. They eat that too. <laughs> they eat that too,
0: but typically where you see them really start to get going and move because they, you know, they, they want to move around to get access to other chunks of cellulose, is the back of drywall. It's dark. It's behind the stud. You know, um, other areas would be the the sill plate. So that's going to be the very first framing member that sits on the foundation mm-hmm. because it's the furthest away from any UV potential. It's very easy for them to mud tube the side, like the transition between the wood and the foundation, mm-hmm. and they can cruise along in there and, and gobble up wood.
1: Munch, munch, munch.
0: There is a misconception that they only eat uh, rotten wood, and it, you shouldn't worry because if you have rotten wood, you have other problems. But that is completely incorrect. Okay, you heard it here. You heard it here, folks. Yeah, they're 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 eating wood that has the right percentage of humidity. Ah. So if there's a chunk of wood that is very, very, very dry, they're probably not going to um, chew on that wood, mm-hmm. but they can then mud tube it and create the humidity that they need from the ground to get to that wood, oh. to raise the moisture level so they can eat it later. Okay. Crafty suckers. They are crafty. <laughs>
1: yeah. there's, you also have told me in the past that you could um, identify presence of termites by sound. Tell me about that disgusting idea.
0: Yeah, so there's, (laughs) they click. In the colony, there is several different groups of, there's several different roles of the termite. And one of them is the the worker. Mm -hmm. That's your guy that's going to be chewing up cellulose. Interestingly enough, the worker is the only termite that can actually chew wood. Oh, The rest of the colony relies on the worker to chew up the wood and then regurgitate it to them to consume. Mm-hmm. This
1: sharing is caring. Sharing is
0: caring. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the clicking comes from the soldier. The soldier is the guy who is in charge. I assume it's a guy. <laughs> is the, the part of the colony that is in charge of motivating the workers to go and 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 chew up wood. So they have this click. It's very loud. And it's often confused with the sound of chewing wood. People okay. hear the sound and they think, oh, I can hear the bugs chewing the wood. But it's actually just a click. And if you can, if you, if you think you hear some clicking sounds in your wall, once you get close to that wall, if you just tap the wall, that clicking will go away. They'll stop. If you just wait long enough, they'll go back to work and they'll start clicking. And that would be another indicator for the presence of termites in your, in your walls.
1: Oh, wild. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about the colony structure? Because you've mentioned workers. They're out munching cellulose. The soldiers are basically the drill sergeants, yeah. barking it's at a great the, word
0: for them. Yeah. <laughs> barking at the workers. Is there a queen? There is a female that is the dominant female that will produce the eggs, mm-hmm. and that's a full time job for her. Mm-hmm. She also can't eat xylos. like she has no ability to chew wood, so yeah. she's safe mm-hmm. in some ways. Just eating regurgitated
1: things she's, from her. <laughs> she's eating
0: food from the from the colony's workers. Mm-hmm. The workers will continually feed her. Um, and if if something were to happen in the structure of that uh, colony like if a female were to die if a bunch of you know let's say um there's other critters in this world that were are designed to eat termites yeah Let, let's say you got chicken coop in the back or something. I'm just throwing stuff out there <laughs> if if a, a part of the colony was to be attacked and a bunch of workers were to be terminated yeah um, just naturally, the the female would produce more workers. Okay, and if vice versa, if it was the drill sergeants that were were dying in some way or getting chewed up, then that would be the next part of the colony that would be uh, reintroduced. That is
1: so fascinating. I know it's really similar to ant colonies and bee colonies. Very and similar, yeah. Very that, similar. That self maintaining balance yeah. of you know production line is. Is really it, it's grossed, <laughs> but also uh, kind of a phenomenal marvel at the same time. Sure, their ability to communicate and self, self-right, self-balance that is would, wild. That
0: would be like us. Okay, we we're doing the pipeline and we're low on pipeline workers. Just Naturally, just kick out a bunch of pipeline workers. Yeah, just spawn a few. So, like, we're really short on doctors right now in the <laughs> province. Yeah. So we, we need badge. the
1: queen to birth some doctors. Yeah, we need some
0: doctors to, <laughs> to show up.
1: Well, if if the, if the this world was truly, you know, ruled by just self-sustaining balance, we would, I'd probably all be a lot better off. Yeah. <laughs> Less politics to think about. Less Anyways, politics, we've yeah. wandered from the top. Sure, yeah. So we've talked about how you can tell they're in your home. There's like a few clues there. So what do you do if that is the determination? How, you know... What are the scenarios? What are the options before you if you're?
0: Okay, I'll give you two scenarios where this may come up in your life. One, you're a homeowner and you see wings, you hear some clicks, um, or you suspect mud tubes Mm -hmm. in the basement somewhere in a crawl space and you suspect that you have it. I would get a professional in to evaluate this right away, but I would be very careful about who you are hiring to do that evaluation because we don't have any legislation or overseeing of that industry mm-hmm. there are individuals who could just buy a franchise a pest control franchise and they're in business the next day with zero education on termites wow and that would be a big problem in your remedial <laughs> efforts
1: so shop around a bit
0: or like do do some research and talk yeah i would i would phone and ask them to lay it out for you mhm how are you going to remediate this? What's the cost? And, uh, and, and use your best judgment in, in, in evaluating their ability to detect right. and problem solve how they're going to correct that remediation. And I will step into the pitfalls. Mm-hmm. There is really only one way to remediate termites, okay? And okay. that would be to drill holes in the basement slab Lots of holes. So you gotta remember, if you have carpet, you need new carpet. Got or, it. or you're gonna pull it off and put it back on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you have hardwood flooring, if you have tile, worst case scenario, you are going to damage your flooring to do this mm-hmm. properly. Yeah. But you're going to drill holes in your slab every three feet. Don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> okay. And you are going to put pesticide into those holes to leach below the slab. Mm-hmm which is then going to kill the termites that are right below you, um, which all the termites that are in your house are going to eventually walk the path back down into the ground. Yeah. And uh, any other termites that are there are going to be, they're just going to be discouraged and they're going to want to leave. They'll probably just go below your neighbor's house. Oh, God. <laughs> now, there's other methods. Sure. Um, there, is, uh, there is methods where they use borax, there's um, there's an acid that is used. There is a, a number of gimmicky type remedial efforts mm-hmm. that are very cheap. So if you're getting quotes from multiple pest control guys, and there's one that's 600 bucks, and one's at $6,000, yeah, you are probably going to want to lean to the $600 option, but you're not going to do anything about termites. You are just going to have a small area of your house that's going to be it's, it might not lend itself to being great termite habitat anymore if you're just using boric acid or something on the on that particular area of your house. Mm-hmm. But there's no way to eliminate them without redoing, like, to putting pesticide in the entire so slab. You kind you have to go big then. If you're if you're doing it, do or, it. Or you're going to roll the dice. Okay. And you're just going to be continually chasing them around your house. Right. Yeah. So let me
1: ask you this. You said there was a second scenario. Second (laughs) scenario
0: would be you're purchasing a home. Mm, Yes, you're entering this. If you're purchasing a home, you should have your house, you should evaluate for termites for sure because there's maybe a little bit of a stigma to it. There's potential structural damage. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, Nobody's getting sick from having termites in their house. Like You're not going to swell up, at least that I'm aware of. There's no human risk of like getting sick. Yeah. But you're just running the risk of of structural damage to your property and the stigma that comes along with, hey, this house has been infected with termites and there might be, you know, that might be an issue if, if you're potentially trying to buy a house, right? Right. So I would definitely get it evaluated. And I would, again, I would lean on having a professional that does have experience in termite remedial Work, <laughs> yeah. Um, and here's one hot tip if you're calling around and a pest, pest control uh, specialist indicates that they do evaluate for termites for home inspection purposes, yeah, but they do not eradicate them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: stay away because uh. it means they don't know what they're doing. Interesting, they don't know how to get rid of them. They're just going to poke around and see if they find anything that's obvious right. And what you would need in that scenario is a solution you would need a solution <laughs> right after, and you would need expertise to be able to know what to look for
1: mm-hmm. and I don't want to deviate too far from the topic here. But if you are looking at a a house that has had termite activity, like what but they're no longer present or no longer deemed to be present, yeah, what are the concerns at that stage? That's a great question, Mally Thank you. J. I'm super smart. <laughs>
0: Hashtag Mally J on that one. So the threat is obviously more termites. Right. But the underlying threat is structural damage to your, okay. to the mechanical pieces of your home that hold it up. Mm-hmm. And the fear would be that your house would fall down or that there would be some major, you know. I
1: have a cartoon image in my yeah. head of like Being on the second floor of a house and like falling through a hole that magically appears or like walking out on my porch and like my my whole body goes straight through the porch. Straight through like like, dang, I got termites. Shoot, must have termites. (laughs) Where it's this huge surprise. So like what do you look for in terms of diagnosing structural damage? Like what are the signs of structural damage from termites?
0: Yeah, and that's a that's pretty difficult to identify, honestly. That's Mm -hmm. a challenge Mm -hmm. because if they're in your wall crawling up your side of your wall and you've identified that you have termites and you, you eradicate the house of having termites. Did you take the wall apart to see if there was any structural problems? You probably didn't. Mm-hmm. You just assume now I don't have termites, I'm good to go. And I would say in most cases, I have not seen a lot of structural, real heavy damage before termites have been identified.
1: That's reassuring to me. Yeah. Great. <laughs> okay, but but what are what would ha- like what would you look for like a sponginess to the wood or other than like the visual signs of them like in structural damage right aside from taking the wall down I see what you're saying. Why it's difficult you'd have
0: to you have to get a closer look at, at have the to, framing of the house. You then. would have to get you would have to get multiple trades to evaluate that. I would say I see. If you had termites in your house ten years ago mm-hmm. and they were remediated, and on your property disclosure statement, let's say you were selling your house, you would indicated yes, we've had termites. They have been uh, terminated from the home. The pun, <laughs> so they're no longer here. That's great, but now we really got to pay attention to like structural indicators to see that the home's structural components have been performing adequately to ensure that there's not framing damage, sagging of maybe joists, Mm -hmm. um, or some deterioration of of, uh, materials. Interestingly enough, this is actually a really good point. The older houses in lower Sahali, Mm -hmm. um, South Sahali, sagebrush, if you will, Mm -hmm. typically are made out of... Douglas fir yeah and they don't eat Douglas fir really yeah oh that's neat so structurally that wood is so damn hard they can't chew it <laughs> and so they typically don't I mean they still can come in if you've had a renovation if you've built a new deck and you mm-hmm. got some spruce and fir in there there there's a potential there but structurally those old houses downtown are usually pretty safe from that neat um but in saying that if you got drywall updates and Plywood, they eat all that stuff, so right. they could still get in there.
1: But like something like sagging, do you mean like on a porch or in a in a certain part of your house? Like that happens over time.
0: Yeah, typically it's very di- it's going to be very difficult for you to identify a problem right away. Okay, so but, time is a real ingredient here. Totally, yeah. To evaluate performance, right, without taking walls apart, right? Because you can have a imagine try and envision this. You have a two by four stud Mm -hmm. and it's up against um, a piece of drywall Mm -hmm. from the surface that you can see it. Let's say it's uh, below a staircase. Mm -hmm. That piece of wood could look perfectly symmetrical and it looks perfectly intact. But if you were to dive into that piece of wood, you might find it's hollow
1: on the inside
0: because they don't like UV. Okay. So they have to maintain that right humidity level Mm -hmm. within a tunnel tube and, and be away from, from daylight. So they're going to eat everything in the dark. Yeah. And the stuff that could be exposed on the outside could still look perfectly intact. Yeah. But that's where you would be looking for performance over time of like something sagging. I don't think you're going to get a squishy feeling because okay. that typically goes with rot and moisture. Mm-hmm. But you can find th- there's just got to be some indication. If there's a major structural problem, there's going to be some indication there. I doubt that someone would be able to cover it up from me. Okay. If you're a homeowner and you were trying to hide this problem, you wouldn't hide it from somebody who knows what to look for. (laughs) Good point. There would just be too many things there to look for. Yeah. And there would be just indicators somewhere.
1: Yeah. Okay. So my next question (laughs) What kind of preventative measures are available if you're like, okay, I may be in an area that could be conducive to termites. You don't necessarily have them, but it's something you're worried about. What can a a person do for their property to prevent such a thing?
0: So in 2003, we had a lot of dead pine trees throughout the city limits of cantaloups. The old pine beetle. Pine beetle era. And you'll see that there's a lot of properties that have had their trees removed. Mm -hmm. But the root is still in the ground. Oh, this is going to invite termite activity because it's going to be a great source of nutrition for them. Okay, yummy, yummy roots. So it would be a good idea to remove rotten roots from yards, like s- dead stumps, like that. Kind dead of thing? stumps. Okay. I would say, although the humidity levels that they like typically can conform around some sort of moisture area usually just the ground. Mm-hmm. But I find that like an irrigated lawn tends to actually deter them. Oh. Just because you're... It's it, too much water. It's way too much. Ah, uh, Yeah. Now, if they're underground and they come up and they could soak a little bit of that nutritional moisture out of the ground and bring it to the area of wood they need, that, you know, the humidity level increased, then that's not going to be advantageous. But I would say old fence posts, um, wood piles... When you go out to high-density termite areas, and let's say it's on a, a farm or a ranch, there's always some sort of piece of wood that's laying on the ground somewhere. Always. And if you lift it up, a lot of times you can see if there's indication of high-density termite area. Oh, yeah. So I would say like, removing that wood soil contact is going to be advantageous. Got it. If you're building a new house in a prone area to termites, you can treat the subterranean area before you build the house, and it's going to maintain that treated area for, you know, as long as you're not allowing water to be running underneath the slab, that treatment's going to stay there forever. That's cool. So, new builds have that element of protection. What? It would probably cost you a thousand bucks to treat your home before you build it. Yeah. I, I don't, that's a win win. You're not doing any damage. You're just going to treat the area, pour your slab. Wow, okay. Be a great way to start things off. <laughs> no kidding. That's a great preventative measure. And actually, the new building code requires under-slab surfaces to be a little bit different. There's some rock that's involved in under-slab areas for radon protection. Mm-hmm. And there's a vapor barrier, and the slab is a little more closely monitored for cracks and, and potential leakage. So new houses are going to be a little better equipped to handle termite intrusion, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's perfect a layer of plastic is not going to stop is that what it is it's a plastic barrier it's a plastic barrier and the slab is going to have less permeable areas to the subterranean areas right okay whereas on, i live in a 1970s built home and the drains that go into the ground below your basement toilet shower tub you know yeah vent traps all these areas they're poorly Transition around the yeah. the concrete, so there's a huge gap there, yeah, and they could just really easily access those areas. Mm-hmm. And I would say we skipped over this earlier, but a lot of misconceptions about termites is there's a lot of critters that are living in the ground, yeah, and people tend to get a little worried when they see like powder post beetles chew away. At rotten wood, mm-hmm. and it leaves very similar looking wood, wood patterns. Oh, okay. Except there's no mud tube. They don't leave the same excrete.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There is some, like a, somebody who knows what they're doing can identify the difference between the two, but it's very commonly, you know, they see a chunk of rotten wood somewhere and they're like, ah, look at this. Something's been through here. A uh. lot of times, powder post beetles are very.
1: Are powder post beetles a
0: threat to a home's structure? No, they, oh. they have very soft jaws. They don't eat anything that's not already bro- Got broken. Got it. They're down. really after like rotten logs in yeah. the forest. <laughs> okay. The same with carpenter ants. There's there's multitudes of carpenter ants that also chew wood, and they can be very destructive. Mm-hmm. And if you were to Google them, you'd probably see some horrifying stories where carpenter ants have chewed up wood. Yeah. The carpenter ants that we have in BC are also soft jaw carpenter ants. They're typically eating rotten wood. Got it. And they're they're everywhere. Like I could go to your house and find one somewhere in your deck, your backyard. They're not causing any great damage. They're chewing up stuff that's already you've already let go. Got it. Mm-hmm. So the damage has already previously been done. Mm-hmm. They're not causing it though. They're not causing interesting greater further damage. Like they're not chewing up great, you know, brand new framing wood yeah. inside your house. Although they do tend to come into houses to winter and stuff, but they're they're kind of Uh, They're all right. Silly as that sounds, they're harmless. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Last question before we wrap up. Got any good termite stories? Um, Yes. (laughs) Because I know that we talked about termites like on a previous episode. The best termite story was probably on that episode. I can't remember. (laughs) So I'll give you a more modern termite story. Great. This was me as a real estate agent. I was representing a buyer in a home. Early into evaluating that home, we identified termites mm. that there was activity here previously. And I actually identified really poor treatment potential. Somebody had used like borax or boric acid or whatever to, to try and prevent this. There's a product called Timbor, which is a I don't even really know what it is, but it's something that typically is smeared along the exterior structural framing. Okay. Usually in a basement or a crawl space.
1: Before the house is built or uh, this is an as a remedial this thing? This is okay. a, an
0: after the fact. You can put it into wood during building, but it's not commonly done in our area. And I could see this. So I, I knew two things. I knew, one, we have termites in this house. And two, somebody knows about it because there's been an attempt <laughs> to try to fix this problem. Yeah. So we, uh, we negotiated a little bit early into that contract to have this evaluated. And if it was active, we wanted further evaluation. Yeah. So it turned out it was active, and the seller had, oh, yeah, no, I forgot to write that down on the PDS, Mm -hmm. ironically. Interesting. Um, So they said that they would just call the company back and and have it remediated again. Well, the failed attempt that they used the first time around was obviously going to be the failed crappy attempt that they were going to do the second time. Yeah. And I did tell my buyer, you know, if you love the house, you're going to still have to treat this house because what they're doing is just a Band-Aid. Yeah, just tickling, tickling the termites. And this individual, I know he's listening to this podcast. so He's probably giggling right now, but later termites came back to that property. Ah, damn. And he identified them pretty quickly, I would think. And he did have to have uh, somebody come in and drill a slab and and treat the uh, subterranean areas around the home. Mm -hmm. But um, that was just a case where, let's say, the word shitty pest control guys that (laughs) that shouldn't be doing a job that they don't know nothing about. Uh Uh-huh is why you need to be really careful when you hire an inspector or when you hire a remedial company to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Now, I think if you were the seller of a home and you didn't know you had termites, and me coming in as a buyer, we identified termites in your home, of course your remedial action is going to be the cheapest way out of this problem. Is my first go-to. Yeah. It's so, so it becomes the buyer in that transaction, in that particular you know, scenario that I just gave you, it's their job to be fighting for the right remedial uh, approach because the cost can go up astronomically if you're damaging flooring in the basement of, of the home. Of course, yeah. The, you know, the drilling of the slab and the chemical that they use, it's not a huge cost. I mean, it's a day, maybe a two-day you mm-hmm. know, process. But if you have
1: to replace tiles or if you have tiles, hardwood or
0: yeah. other damage
1: to, to get it done, wild. So in that scenario... Did your buyer get the termite situation sorted? Or he did solve the problem with the appropriate measure. Very and, good. Um, yeah. So in that case, then good on him for spotting the other signs. Yeah.
0: Good. Well, right on. It's an interesting story.
1: It is. Okay. Well, thanks for this uh, quick rundown of termites and camloops. What to watch for? What to do?
0: I thought you were going to have a termite joke.
1: Oh, this podcast is terminated. Not the whole thing. Oh, oh boy, that was oh, came out oh, super, super ominous. I meant the episode is done. <laughs> <All> <laughs> right. Got too serious. Too serious. <laughs> See
0: you guys next time. <laughs>
1: Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to get new episodes delivered right to your feed. And we want to hear from you. Send comments and questions to parker at royallepage.ca or reach out on Instagram at pbrealestater.